are listening to the Jersey Guys Podcast, the show that talks about hard rock, heavy metal, AOR, and West Coast music. In-depth conversation and special guests are always on tap, so settle in and turn it up. Now, here are your hosts, Tom and Mark. Hey everybody, this is Mark Ballow from the Jersey Guys Podcast. Welcome to a brand new episode. I'm here with my co-host Tom Coyne, as always, and we're back with special guest uh, Tom's son, TJ Coyne. So uh, welcome back again, TJ. Thank you. Glad to be back. Cool. Well, today we are going to talk about the band Sticks, and we're going to do a uh, discography discussion. This one I know is going to be pretty good because uh, I think all of us here, well, maybe Tom not a little bit from what he was saying, but I think all of us are big fans of Sticks, so uh, I think this is going to be a pretty enjoyable episode. I guess let's start right off and uh, we'll get right into it. I'll start with the band, uh, their debut album. Uh, the band came out and debuted in 1972 um, with just a self-titled album. Uh, the interesting thing about Sticks, I think, was the first, uh, was it four albums were on Wooden Nickel Records, which was a, uh, a Chicago indie sort of local label. When you talk to a lot of people who maybe are Sticks fans, they probably don't even really have a, a big grasp on these first four albums. Because the band was, was kind of not really like hitting the big time at that point. So we'll start with the 1972 debut. And I'm going to let TJ kind of start with this one and give us your thoughts on it. Yeah, so um, this is the early years of 70s rock, you know, 1972. So this is uh, pretty early stuff here. Most of these songs are cover songs on the first album. And this is not really the sticks that we all know and love. You know, we all think of you know, Renegade and Come Sail Away and all the great hits that come later on. But, you know, this album is, is there and um, there's some good stuff on it. Um, Movement for the Common Man is a very long song, 13 minutes. And there's some instrumental parts in that song, but it's a good song to start off the album. Another song that I like a lot is Quick is the Beat of My Heart. That's a catchy song. James Young, I believe, sings that one. That's a that's a decent song, I would say. But yeah, not much is really here to break down. I think this album is just there. It's a good starting point for the band. It's I feel like the band is still finding themselves, still finding, you know, their their sound, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, it doesn't really sound anything like six that we all love. So um but not to say it's a bad album. I mean, I think it's it's good. Yeah. It's definitely there, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, I, I guess my thoughts are, are similar to what you said. I mean, and you pointed out that it, there is mostly cover songs on this album. I, I just yeah, I, I think listening to it, I, I don't really have a lot to kind of say about it. Um, you know, you talked about the song "Movement for the Common Man," long song, thirteen minutes long, kind of cool. It's got a lot of proggy elements to it uh one thing that kind of struck me was the, the the keyboards or the organ that dennis young was playing at the time reminded me a lot of like the doors sound and i i'm not a big doors fan so it had almost like a 60s sound to the, the yeah the, the, the that was organ. one of the biggest turnoffs to for me also yeah yeah i didn't i mean a song like uh best thing was a little maybe something i would kind of say take away from that album is a little bit notable of a song um but yeah, I mean, and, and at this time too, you know, you also have to think, I mean, the first five albums of the band's career, they had a different guitar player, uh, John Serluski. So, you know, that's before Tommy Shaw came along, who everybody knows, you know, as being the big, you know, 
solid core lineup of the band with Tommy Shaw on it, but you know you had a, a original guitar player here. So yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of like you said, it's there. It's 1972. It's kind of sounds like 1972 in a way. Yep, absolutely. It could actually sound like 1962 at times. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It yep. could be uh, Beach Boy music at times. It's like garage rock almost. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, so now at 72, we, we jump ahead next year, comes out, Sticks 2 comes out. You know, what were your feelings on that, TJ? I think this is a step in the right direction. Um, it's it's good. Um, there's some songs on here that I want to point out. The song You Need Love, uh, that's a good song. It's 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 another catchy, you know, groovy song. Yeah, um, that is a good song. It, James Young's. Yes, that. yep, yep, absolutely. Um, Earl of Roseland, so that's a, that's a decent song as well. Uh, I think Dennis DeYoung wrote that about the neighborhood in Chicago, Roseland, that mm-hmm. he and the band grew up in. And he actually talks about himself being this Earl, this person named Earl that he kind of just made up. And uh, he talks about how the band like met and everything like that. That, that was pretty cool to point out. Um, the song You Better Ask, another catchy, groovy song. And, of course, the big one, Lady, uh, the ballad that's yeah. on there. Not really a fan of ballads, but, uh, yeah, you know, I know that's that's a big song, but, you know, not... Not really anything that moves me personally. Well, it's funny, the, the song, when that came out, um, and I was reading about this, you know, I, I didn't really realize this, but I guess when that came out in 1973, it didn't really do much for the band. No. And I, it wasn't until like maybe three three or four years later that they, they kind of started getting some radio play on that on that song, and then it became what it was for them at that point. But yeah, initially it didn't really do much, and it wasn't really something that was kind of thought of as a... A big song for the band at that point. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I guess it was a little, you know, again, it was a little more proggy sounding at times. This album, much like the first album. Yeah. Um, definitely a little bit, like you said, a, a step up from yep. the first album mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, things like You Need Love, you talked about. Um, Father OSA, I thought was kind of a cool song. Um, they also had, the band had longer songs at this time, right? Like six, seven minute songs, yep. longer ones. So that, I guess, introduced a little bit of that proggier element. To yep. the band at that point, but yeah, that's that's 1973. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that one, Tom? <laughs> I liked Lady. I was a big, fan. <laughs> a big Lady fan. Well, I, I do. I, uh, to disagree with my son for once, uh, I, I thought that's a great song. I still love it. <laughs> oh no, I, I did too. I mean, I think it's definitely obviously it's a classics. You know, a classic stick song. But yeah, I, I just was at that time. I mean, I, you know, not having lived through it at that period. To not be a phony, and anybody that knows me, I, I speak my mind. This stuff was not anything I was really into at the time. I was aware of it. Uh, I had other fish to fry that were much better <laughs> in, in terms of bands and albums than, than these early Sticks albums. Yeah. I, I did become a, a fan as things progressed, but there was a, a slow, steady progression with this band. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, uh, TJ, you mentioned uh, You Better Ask. Yeah. That song, and that, that was sung by the guitar player, John Sarluski. So it's like, you know, here, here's somebody, you know, think about the classic sticks, you know, songs that everybody knows. And, and obviously, you know, someone, he, he wasn't one that had any of the classic songs. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yep. uh, yeah, no, it, was, it was interesting. And one other thing, too, I, I thought about, and we were just talking about this earlier, was I found this, that the songs that James Young sang in those earlier period, the earlier albums, I thought... His voice to me was definitely like more tolerable, more likable mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, because later on, I, I mean, you know, we're going to 
talk about the the albums later, but like stuff like that he sang on like say Kilroy was here. I, I didn't like the yeah. way he sang on, on those songs. You know, it was a little goofy, a little silly to me. Yeah. But I thought those earlier albums where he sang, you know, his songs I thought were were a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. To me. So yeah, so now we uh we move right along to uh it's funny, this the the next album, The Serpent is Rising, came out in nineteen seventy three, but it was released only three months after Sticks yeah. Two. Yeah. So that think about that. I mean, we talked about you know a lot of bands in the seventies were putting out you know one album uh, or two albums in the same year, but three months <laughs> later they come out with a brand new album. You know, what were your feelings on the Serpent Is Rising? I like the Serpent Is Rising a lot. I think the band is really starting to shape in this album, and the album kind of has like a Western theme to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the cover with the snake in the desert. The intro to the song "Witch Wolf," which is a phenomenal song, kind of has like song. it has like like a Western like vibe to it in a way. It's just you know like something to point out. The song "Witch Wolf," which is the first song in the album, I think from the moment it starts to the moment it ends is just uh, amazing. Uh, it, you know, it's fast, it's heavy, it's catchy. It's a great song, I think, to to point out. I think I would say it's strongest. Song on the album, oh, which yeah. Wolf. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Yeah, I, I like that song. Yeah, a lot. that's a great song. As do I. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hey, something from your there we go. Wow. <laughs> um, another song, uh, Jonas. Oh, Jonas Salter. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just another good song to point out, um, which is about a pirate captain that goes to sea. He dies in battle because he becomes too greedy for gold. It's it's a pretty good song. Uh, the song Twenty Two Years" is another great song, and the title track "The Serpent Is Rising" is a great song. But it's actually really interesting to point out that Dennis DeYoung says that "The Serpent Is Rising" is the the band's worst recording. He says that it's one of the worst recorded and produced albums in the history of music, which <laughs> I think is crazy to think. Um, but hey, everyone has their own opinion. Yeah. Um, it's just funny that he said it himself. But I know I think this is a good album. I think it's better than the first two, a little more heavier. And they're starting to become the sticks that we know and love. Yeah, definitely. Well, even like you mentioned the song Jonas Salter, to me that actually had like a little bit of like a yes kind of feel to yeah. it with the, the synths and the, and the guitar and, you know, interplay and stuff like that. Yeah. And that was a song that I think James Young sang, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, that, that was, you know, again, like you talked, I think definitely we would agree that this is the band kind of starting to kind of come into what we yeah. as fans of the band sticks know them to sound like. So now that's uh, 1973 and we move along to the 1974 and we've got Man of Miracles. So I know from us talking before we started recording and, you know, again, a little bit of a spoiler, but I, I know this is a big favorite of yours, TJ. So Yeah, this is my favorite six album. <laughs> I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash, but um, this album is great. Um, I think that listening to Dennis DeYoung and James Young in this album, you know, they, they really bring it to the next level, I think. It's a very underrated album as well. You don't hear the, any of these songs on this album anywhere, really. Like, I feel like, you know, again, you hear the songs, you know, uh, Renegade and, and Come Sail Away, but you don't hear anything on this album. You know, Made of Miracles, the title track is great. Christopher, Mr. Christopher, Southern Woman, Rock and Roll Feeling, Having a Ball. I mean, these, these are just tremendous songs, I think. Made of Miracles, which is the title track. I mean, that's just epic stuff. You know, you got the magical keyboards. 
big drums. Uh, you got the wizard on the front of the cover, you know, of the album. It, it's just, it's, it's epic, you know. And it's funny because when I first started listening to Sticks, you know, you know those songs everyone talks about. And then I went back in time and I'm listening to stuff on The Serpent is Rising and this album in particular, Man of Miracles. I say, wow, this is like stuff that I never heard of. You know, no one, no one speaks of any of these songs on here. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, you, you don't hear about any of this stuff on here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Christopher, Mr. Christopher is a catchy song. That's a religious song related to, um, you know, baby Jesus and Mary and, you know, St. Christopher himself, which I think is, it's pretty cool. Uh, Southern Woman, you know, another great catchy song. I think that's James Young that does that song, which is about a man that has an affair with a woman that he met at a Southern bar. Uh, rock and Roll Feeling, another catchy, like, groovy song there. Yeah, so I really think the combination of James Young, James D. Young, I'm sorry, James Young and Dennis D. Young is great in this in this album. I think it's, uh, from start to finish, amazing. Now, I, I'll give them points that the album cover is really cool. Yeah. It, it, is, a great, <laughs> it's it is a great album. Yeah. I'll give them points on that. But now, Tom, I, I it, it's interesting, and I want to ask this before you give us your thoughts on, on the Man, uh, Man of Miracles, but knowing that what you said prior to us starting to record this episode, that you said you weren't really into the band on those first handful of albums. Right. So how, how did you, TJ, how did you discover Sticks? Not, this, for, me. This Not for me. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I went back into Apple Music and, you know, I, well, first, before even that, you know, I, I knew this a couple songs that Sticks had. And I was like, you know, there's got to be more to this band that meets the eye. So I went to Apple Music, went back into all the albums. And I see this stuff that's dating back all the way to 72. And I'm like, wow, there's, there's more to this band that I really know. And, you know, going to the, you know, the album's chronological order and then getting to Man of Miracles, it, it kind of made me stop in my tracks. And I was like, wow, this is just amazing. Wow. You know, some of the stuff that's, that's on this record. And this is my favorite, personal favorite of mine. Again, I feel like I'm going to get backlash, but that's okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's, hey, everybody's got their opinion. Yeah, so that's, absolutely. That's cool, but I think just the song Man of Miracles itself, is is truly uh, a masterpiece, in my opinion. Heavy from you know, you got the big drums going and the wizard to welcome you on the cover there. It, it's a great song, I think, my opinion. Tom, what uh, what do you have to say I, about this? I like this album a lot, and, and quite honestly, it was nothing I ever really paid all that much attention to when my my son turned me on to it. And interesting, yeah, yeah. and 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 we listened to it extensively. This afternoon, uh, yeah. prepping for the show, and I, I said to him, "Wow, this, this is a really good song." I, I really never paid attention to this record as much as I should have because I, I think, for me, just to digress for a, a second, is I got into them at the Tommy Shaw period, and uh, I never really paid great amount of attention to them before that, for whatever reason. And that's what I always focused on was all the Tommy Shaw stuff. Becoming a, a, a Tommy Shaw fan, you know, for all the other projects over the years that he's been involved in, and um, yeah, it, it it took my son to start to open my eyes to these third, this third and fourth record by them. That how how good they were because I always kind of came into them around Equinox going forward, even though that was the last album before Shaw was on board. So uh, yeah, no, he opened my eyes yeah. for once. Yeah, I would say for any listeners that might know the you know the later sticks or maybe even forgot about this album i say definitely go back and check it out or if you never heard of it definitely give it a listen you'll be impressed interesting interesting yeah definitely well that's 1974 we jump ahead to 1975 and we've got the album that you know tom just said that he kind of got really into the band at that point but it's the album equinox 
do you want to give us your thoughts on this to start, Tom? Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's I, pass I, on I, I think, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm better to fill in here than, <laughs> than the guy that knows every, every lyric that's uh, been written by them and how they wrote it. <laughs> okay, then, TJ, give us your thoughts on Equinox. Yeah, Equinox, is a, that's a, that's, it's a good one. Um, of course, the song that stands out to me is Sweet Madam Blue. Yes. This is just a phenomenal song. And a very patriotic person myself. Uh, this song is, you know, amazing. Uh, it talks about America, you know, everything. Uh, I think so. They talk about in the song, Red, White, and Blue, you know, all that stuff. It, it, it's And again, it leads into a great kind of um, up and down in the beginning. And then it just leads into greatness, I think, within like the two-minute mark or three-minute mark, and then it just yeah. goes from there, you know, with the guitar and everything. It's just phenomenal. Oh, I agree. Um, but that, that song in particular, Sweet Mountain Blue, became the uh, the, tr- the track that's, you know, was like a staple for this, the uh, the tours that sticks at yeah. But yeah, I would say uh, that's a that's a great one to point out. Uh, Dennis DeYoung speaks about Sweet Madam Blue, saying that you know he grew up in a time post World War II in the United States, which he said was the golden age for the country, and he wanted to kind of like bring that out through this song. Yeah. Uh, the 200th anniversary of America was coming up the following year, so right. he went ahead and uh, wrote the song and knocked yeah. it out of the park. <laughs> no, that's I agree with you 100 on that because that's that's been we were just said this before we started the show. I mean, that's probably my favorite stick song. But this album too, it, it's the first album the band did with A and M Records after the first, you know, four having or been on wooden nickel. Th- to me, this album was like we talked about the proggy elements on the first, you know, handful of albums, and to me, Equinox is like just a more straight ahead rocking hard rock album yeah you know it's not doesn't really have as much of the progginess to it yeah um but songs like even like the opening song laid up it's a great song you know i love yeah. that song yeah like lorelei yeah lorelei yeah that's a good song yeah that's i like song that song that's in, in their set till today you know you know midnight ride uh with james young singing yep um born for adventure yes i thought we're they're all, all those are songs i really enjoyed uh fun fact born for adventure was written about the legend of robin hood which is uh Pretty interesting oh, that I found. Interesting. Uh, but that's a good song. That's a catchy song right from the start with the riff. Born for Adventure, that's a good song. Yeah. And Midnight Ride, as you pointed out, Mark, that's another good one as well. Well, I, and we talked about the, the last album with the, the really cool album cover with the wizard on it and everything. And I thought Equinox was actually a pretty cool cover too with that like block of ice on yeah, the fire. Yeah, it is. I, I always like this album cover yeah. too. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool cover. I yeah. Thought. Um, so that's 1975. Uh, we jump ahead to the following year, 1976. The band puts out Crystal Ball. To me, uh, and I'll just kind of start off on this one, but it was it was an overall disappointment mm-hmm. for me when I go back and listen to it now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just there wasn't a lot of songs on it that I took away as being favorites. What do you? Yeah, besides the title track, Crystal Ball itself. Mademoiselle is a good song. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Jennifer's a, I actually like the song Jennifer. That's a good one. Um, but Crystal Ball itself, I think that's, that's a good, that's a great song. Yeah. Um, you know, got the debut of Tommy Shaw coming into the band here. That's right. I didn't mention that, but this is the first album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he actually wrote the song. He wrote the song prior to joining the band. 
which he was contemplating about where his life was going, where he had been, and where he's going to be, which I thought was pretty cool because it talks about crystal balls, seeing into the future, and everything like that. So this is a, it's a really good song, for, you know, from start to finish. Uh, that's the only song I would really emphasize in terms of being like really, really good yeah. on this album. But I would agree, it's a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A crystal ball. I mean, obviously, that's a, a song that's still in the band set live set today. So that's a classic, you know, stick song when you, when you think about the songs that everybody knows from sticks. But yeah, for sure. That would, but again, like I said, that, and you said it really doesn't, there's not a, mo- a lot of other songs to really kind of pinpoint on yeah. the album that I would kind of take away from. But so that's, and it's funny because that's the first album with the Tommy Shaw, you know? So it's like, you almost think of, it's like a, now the kind of the classic era uh, lineup of the band, right? And they start off with something that's maybe a little disappointing, you know? Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, and you can look at it too, you know, a lot of bands, when you think about the first album or the debut album, and it's maybe not as, as good, but when you look at this, it's the first debut with, with Tommy Shaw. So maybe the band was just kind of feeling each other out and starting to, but they move, now move along. And I think we get to the point now in 1977, and this is kind of like the beginning of the sort of the meat and potatoes period of the band. Yep. I mean, you have 1977, The Grand Illusion. We'll talk about this because this is a song, an album with a ton of songs, right? Yeah. So what do you, what are your feelings <laughs> on that? Um, yeah, this is where I feel like the band starts to take off. You know, Grand Illusion, look at 1977 here, uh, and this smashed, uh, you know, this was a great one, I think. Um, selling three million copies in the United States, you know, triple platinum. This is great stuff here. Come Sail Away, which we all know and love, which has a lot of spiritual aspect to it, you know, definitely. You know, this band talks about sailing away. Uh, the nostalgia of childhood friends and, you know, angels singing a song of hope, um, you know, talking about transformation from a sailing ship into a starship. They climb aboard a starship, head for the skies. You know, it's, it's a lot of biblical verses from Ezekiel, a lot of good stuff. Uh, but, you know, that's, again, another example of a song that this is build up, build up and build up and build up. And then, it, you know, it just kind of like goes off the walls. Uh, it, it's a great song. You know, obviously a trademark song, I would say for them. It's legendary. Yeah, for sure. Um, Another song I wanted to point out was Miss America. Great song. Great song that I recently discovered. I believe James Young sang that one. Yes. Yes. Wrote about his wife who has a rare condition that's incurable called porphyria, which is a blood disease. But I think it's important to point out because he, you know, his wife has this incurable disease. And in the song itself, he says um, lines. I think there's a line here that says um, the dream that you must live a disease that which there is no cure. And then the chorus ends with the band singing "Our Love." You know, it's it's a it's a great song. Um, yeah. It's not like your typical like love song, you know, sort of say, right. but it's heavy, it's catchy, has a great riff from start to finish. I think it's a it's a phenomenal song. And then of course, "Fooling Yourself" or "The Angry Young Man." Mm-hmm. That's another great one, which uh, Tommy Shaw wrote about Dennis D. Young yeah. while uh, they were touring because Dennis D. Young apparently hates to be on tour and he seems miserable a lot. So Shaw wrote the song about him being <laughs> an angry young man. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I thought Superstars was a really cool song yeah. on, the, on the album too. Um, man in the Wilderness was a, a Tommy Shaw song, a yep. great song. Even a song like, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on like something like Castle Walls? That's a good one. It's yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Song, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's a good song. Yeah, Tom, what are you... Uh, well, this is one I got into them. I, I don't think I really had the patience to digest all their... Their records that slowly built up, and I, I obviously when Tommy Shaw came in, it was a game changer because of the dynamic of not only a real strong second guitar player but uh, a really strong singer. So yeah, this is this is a terrific record. It's an iconic record, and it's uh, yeah one of the best in their 
day catalog, without a doubt. Definitely. So that that's 1977, and we move ahead to 1978, and we have Pieces of Eight. So um, you want to start, TJ, on your thoughts on that one? Yeah, Pieces of Eight is, is, is legendary. Um, there's so many good songs on this record. This is a triple platinum album, I believe, um, but such a good one. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, of course, the legendary song Renegade is on here. Uh, Queen of Spades. Very underrated song, in my opinion. That's a great, great song. Great song. Absolutely great song. And then Blue Collar Man, of course, written by Tommy Shaw. Talks about unemployment and um, things like that. Great White Hope is another good one. I believe that's the, uh, the starting song on that album. Yeah, I think that's the opening song. It's, it's got a lot of proggy elements yes. to that song, which kind of harkens back to maybe the earlier Sticks uh, sound. Yeah. I would say this, song, I mean, this, this album takes it to the next level with, the, with Sticks. I mean... Between uh, Dennis DeYoung's vocals, I mean, for the longest time, I was under the impression that Ronnie James Dio was the best vocalist in rock history, hands down. But then you listen to Dennis DeYoung in some of these songs, and, you know, it, it changed my mind. I was like, well, maybe he's not in a league of his own after all. <laughs> I always tell you, I, you know, I mean, in my opinion, Dio and, and DeYoung were the, yeah. the two most prominent, talented singers. Yeah, I mean... Dennis DeYoung really shows what he's got in, in Queen of Spades. It's such a great song. Yeah, I actually was, when I listened to that, and I'm like, I was like, wow, this is a song that is not one that, it's right. a deep track. For yeah, 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 yeah. They don't play it like right. really live. Right, it's a really it's strong a song. It's a strong yeah. song. But it's a really, really strong song. And you mentioned Great White Hope. Yep. Uh, Sing for the Day, is a, I think it's a great song. You yep. know, Tommy Shaw, it's kind of like a lighter sort of uh, song. But yeah, I mean, obviously you said Blue Collar Man, Renegade are classic stick Absolutely. songs. Absolutely. Um, the title track, Pieces of Eight, is a great song, too. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's a really strong album. I think, you know, you got two in a row there now, you know, yeah. from The Grand Illusion and, mm-hmm. and Pieces of Eight. Yep. Um, and now, that's 77 and 78. Uh, we jump into 1979, and we have the album Cornerstone. Uh, now, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, I do not like the album at all. Um, to me, it's, it's definitely too poppy-sounding. Uh, there wasn't a lot of songs on it that I take away. Um, do you kind of feel the same way, or do you have other, another thought about it? You spoke my mind. Okay. I mean, that that was it. I, I feel exactly the same way. I think the band took a step back. There's more of a pop sound there, which I'm not a fan of at all. Um, notable song, there's Babe, sure. of course, yeah. um, which Dennis DeYoung wrote for his wife. Mm-hmm. Love in the Midnight is a good one. You know, that, that's, that's a good song. It's got some little bit of proggy elements yeah in there too yeah. I, I just think that this was a big disappointment from pieces of eight it's a step back and they changed their sound slightly it's, it's a little more softer which totally. you know i'm not really a fan of but i agree with you mark yeah well i mean even like talk about a song like like why me it's got saxophone in it yeah it's kind of like yeah. you know the band yeah, this was a weird record i don't know how this fit in with the two strong records before it and the, the super strong record that was to come yeah, I think at the time it threw everybody for a curveball. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, I mean, Babe is probably the the, the song off of it. I mean, Boat on the River. Um, yeah, and those are songs that they kept in their set kept list. Kept in their set yeah. list. And neither, list neither, neither one of those songs are I'm a big fan of. Well, a song like even there was a song like Never Say Never, right? Tommy mm-hmm. Shaw sang, which is yeah. you know, it's it's kind of like a it's more of a commercial sort of yeah. song. Yeah, you know, it's like a little again more poppy, and I think just the whole album sort of had that that feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a letdown. So yeah, I mean, coming from those previous two albums to the cornerstone, it's it was a little bit of a letdown, but the band, you know, basically, uh, 
continues on, and now we jump to 1981, and we've got Paradise Theater. Tom, you alluded to what was to come, um, so why don't you talk a little bit about Paradise yeah, I, I love this record. I, I was pretty big into it when it came out. Uh, they definitely had me on board as a fan at this time. My personal, It's my personal favorite. Okay. Mm. Out of all their their records, I, I I think that this was like when they hit their pinnacle. This okay. was this was their Abbey Road, mm. in my opinion. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> all right. TJ, what are you? What are your thoughts on it? Mixed, uh, mixed feelings, but more of a positive feeling. I would say uh, it was definitely the band's most commercially sounding successful album. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of. Um, a lot of meanings behind the songs that they have in here, uh, you know, and most of it kind of alludes to the times changing from the 70s into the 80s. Some notable songs that I like in this one is Rockin' the Paradise, uh, which is a concept about the fall of, of uh, Chicago theater that was going on at the time. Too Much Time on My Hands, uh, that's a catchy one. Uh, that's pretty well known, I would say. Uh, Snowblind, which I know is a f- personal favorite of my father. You know, he loves that song. Yep. That's <laughs> which a good is, one. Yeah, it's a great one about... Best of times. Best of times. But going back to Snowblind, that's a uh, anti-cocaine, uh, you know, song that they that they wrote. And Half Penny, Two Penny is a good song, too. That's a good song, also. It's a, that's an underrated song. Well, now, I wanted to ask you, because I, I know, and we had talked about this, and I know your dad talked about this, too, but we were possibly thinking of maybe having you on an episode doing uh, Steely Dan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, and then give me your thoughts on this. Okay. Um, the song "Nothing Ever Goes as Planned." To me, when I'm listening to it, I get a Steely Dan vibe. I would say so. Do you agree? On that? I would yeah. say so. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I thought that was interesting when I heard that. I was like, it just came out of the blue. I was yeah. Like, Steely Dan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, like songs like um, "She Cares." Did Tommy Shaw sing that? A little pop, poppy. It's sound. a poppy song. Yeah. Poppy, yeah. But. I don't. I think I. I don't know, and I think I agree more with TJ on this one that it, it wasn't quite maybe as I don't quite find it as enjoyable as maybe pieces as of eight as, as much yeah. as Tom. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you Grand said illusion. This, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, there is obviously like Rock in the Paradise and Too Much Time in My Hands, Best of Times. These are classic stick songs, but I just think overall, I think there maybe was you know the four or five songs, Snowblind, and. Snowblind probably puts it over the top of me because it's probably my single favorite stick song. Okay. So it might be the what separates it out from, you know, the two or three other albums that are looked at as their either their best or their one of their best. Well now it's interesting because the band and we talked about before like the meat and potatoes period. I mean you had, you know, the pieces of A, you had, you know, the Grand Illusion before that. And then, you know, there's a little bit of let down with Cornerstone. You know, they have a little bit of a comeback with Paradise Theater in yeah. most people's minds. Now we jump into 1983, and we've got Kilroy was here. Now, everybody knows Mr. Rivada. That's, you know. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a pop class, of, yeah. you know, a pop culture song that everybody knows, you know. But I, I just, I did not like this album at all. You want to start, TJ, with your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree, Mark. I mean, this is, uh, it's just like a flat album to me. There's not much there. The one song, Double Life, is pretty good that I like. I know Dennis DeYoung had some, you know, vision about, like, an apocalypse and this fictional character, Kilroy, that's in the apocalypse. And it's just, like, a strange type of setup that he was thinking of. And, you know, it's, like, a fictional, like, story that he's got going on throughout the songs. And yeah, the whole concept album. Yeah, yeah. It, it talks about apocalypse and the government taking over. It, it's just a strange album. 
It's very like techno. I feel like you know, it's just there, mm. and didn't really move me honestly. It's it's just this is kind of there for me. Yeah, I thought there was some like just truly atrocious songs on the. Album. No, they were there were. <laughs> <are. laughs> there are, and, and it's hard to believe that coming on off the string of albums that they had, that that's the direction they went. They're they're a strange band. They they really are. They're one of those bands that you try to digest them, and you look at the style of De Young and Tommy Shore and uh, uh, James Young. It, it, it's they're a strange band, and I and I think that they only. The personalities in that band that only had so far that they could go before it crashed and burned, and that pretty much is what happened with this album. Sure, which is what it did. I mean, I actually like Mr. Roboto. I know you know a lot of you know some people like it, love it, some people hate it, but I actually like the song. I saw like the song "Don't Let It End." I, I thought it was a great song from this album, and that's maybe about it. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. Now at this point, and you just kind of alluded to it, Tom. I mean, this is the band. In, internally, it's just kind of fracturing right. at this point. Tommy Shaw is not his direction that he wants to go and isn't what Dennis DeYoung sees. And the band just kind of fragments at this point in 1983 and they just go away, right? They don't get uh, back together. Tommy Shaw basically leaves, I mean, at this point. And the band doesn't get back together until seven years later in 1990. They now have Glenn Burtnick, uh, a Jersey guy, by the, the way. The great Glenn Burtnick. <laughs> the great Glenn Burtnick, a Jersey guy. So he joins the band, uh, takes over kind of the, the Tommy Shaw part of the band. They release Edge of the Century. Now, Tom, what were your feelings on Edge of the Century from 1990? Well, you know, I remember buying the album at the time, liking it. Haven't listened to it, to be totally honest, in, in many years. But I, I, I had the recollection of liking it. And, and, and again, before prepping for the show, I sat with TJ and uh, we listened to it. And, and, and I like the record. What, what I like about it so much is that it reminds me of so many albums of 1990, it, it, which to me was a was a great year for music, and it had that production. It had the um, the signature guitar sounds, keyboard sounds, production, um, vocal phrasings. It, it, it's a good record for it for that era. It's not, I don't think, a great sticks record, but if it was just a band, you know, an AOR ish. Uh, melodic rock band of 1990, I'd say, wow, that's a terrific record. Well, now, that's an interesting point because you're looking at it from that standpoint. Now, TJ talks about how, you know, he loved the early albums and what everybody knows is what the stick sound is. Yeah. What was your thoughts on Edge of the Century? It, it starts to sound more modern, I would say, and this is stuff on there that doesn't really sound like sticks, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's just it is it is 1990. Right, like your dad said. It's, right, it's the times just, have changed. Yeah, the times have changed. I yeah, mean, it's been seven years since their their last album. Right. Um, I would say "Love Is the Ritual." It's a good song, catchy, you know, but uh, not much really to dissect. I would say. Yeah, I mean, look, "Love Is the Ritual," which was Glenn Burtnick sang that one. Um, "Show Me the Way." I thought was a, I thought that was a really good Dennis DeYoung song. It had to me, it's like a more of a classic stick sound, you know, and what Dennis DeYoung usually offers or what he brought to the band, you know. Um, the song Edge of the Century, the title track, Glenn Burtnick sang on that. That was, I thought, a really good song. Uh, Burtnick brought a lot to the table, which, I mean, me and you know Glenn Burtnick all too well. He's a phenomenally talented guy that put out some great records. And well, I think he, they he was sang, a great uh, addition. Yeah, I think that the album basically was half and half with 
vocals. Yeah, as far it, it as was. Burton they gave they gave uh, Glenn Burton. I, I mean, they basically let him take over the Tommy Shaw role. Yeah. Of, of in, in terms of lead vocals and, and and whatnot, and he was a good, very good fit. I mean, you know, he did, didn't last very long, but I guess he kind of came into the band because basically the band was on A and M Records uh, for so long, and then and he was also he was an A and M yeah. Records artist. So right. I guess that was uh, kind of. I think I've read that somewhere along the line too. That's how they got paired up. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, now that's 1990, and now, again, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't last too long. Um, the band kind of goes on hiatus again. At that point, they get dropped by A&M at that point. Nine years goes by, and well, they did do, you know, obviously a reunion with Tommy Shaw um, in 1996. Right. Recorded the live album, of course, but they don't release another studio album until 1999. And now they're signed to a label that was, uh, a lot of people might know him from reviving some of the 80s bands at the time but cmc records puts the band uh the album brave new world out i mean we were just talking about this earlier and, and tom you want to start off with with your feelings on this <laughs> another album that i bought when it came out listened to it didn't like it at all probably didn't listen to it again until again prepping for the show hmm. And my feeling is not much different. That the songs, uh, there's, there's just a, a sparsity of good songs on this record. Even though Tommy Shaw was back, uh, did not do much for me back then, twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, and and now. Well, a little bit of background on this album too. This is obviously this is the last uh, Stick studio album that features Dennis DeYoung. Uh, it's also the first album with the new drummer uh, Todd Zuckerman who came into the band after, um, the, obviously, the original drummer, John Panazzo, passed away in 1996. Um, everybody knows he had, you know, alcohol problems, drinking problems and stuff. So, yeah, unfortunately, he passed away at 47 years old. They bring the new drummer in. I, yeah, I, I this album, I thought there wasn't, uh, the songs I did not like at all. There wasn't really much on this album that I can even take away. And I listen to it now, and I... I don't like it. I just don't like no, it. No, it's very hard to warm up to this. And, and what's weird about this is they had done that really successful tour for the couple of years leading up to this. They had Zuckerman in the band, who I think is just a tremendous drummer. And I think, you know, it was a really great addition to the band. And then that whole lineup, you know, which, which Shaw being back in the fold and great drummer and Zuckerman, uh, it, they put out a, a really flat album yeah. that's just peculiar. I, I mean, I guess it was right as Bach, or maybe there were internal problems with DeYoung at the time. I, I, you know, I, I know that that was something that was, even before this, had been on and off. So I, I, I don't know what to attribute this weak record to, but... What's weird is that a lot of people like the record, though. We we looked it up. Yeah, we were looking today at different comment, uh, different sites because yeah. we we thought we were missing something. I, in fact, I said to TJ, "So let's go downstairs on my uh, on my computer and, and and scout around on some of these sites where people give uh, opinions." And and there are people that like it. I, it's, it's, I don't know what they like. Right? Yeah, they like it. I'm not really sure. What they <laughs> right. I mean, there were people that trashed it too. Yeah. There, there were there were people that defended. But I mean, uh, not not to knock anybody's opinion, but I. I think I happen to be overly, you know, objective when it comes to any band's music. I'll I'll knock a bad album even if it's my favorite band. I think some people just like a band and just feel like obligated to say good things as opposed to bad. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like, yeah, and obviously I'll say the same thing as you. I mean, I'll, I'll call it, you know, it's not a good album. There's right, no, we do that. Of these songs yeah. on it. Just One not. of the reasons you should listen to us, we're honest. <laughs> right, no, exactly. I mean, just call it like it is, or at least how we feel. And again, everybody has their own opinions, too, right. you know. So, I mean, hey, if you like it, you like it. If, if you don't, you don't. And that's all, it's all good, you know. But now, as I said before, that is the last album with Dennis DeYoung. And, and this episode, we decided we were really just going to concentrate on the Dennis DeYoung albums, you know, the era that he was in. Of course, the band, you know, did go on to release albums. They uh, got uh, Lawrence Gowan as the uh, the new keyboard player and singer to replace Dennis DeYoung. In 2003, they released a Cyclorama album. In 2005, they had Big Bang Theory, which was a covers album, right? Yeah. Um, and then, again, more recently, in 2017, they put out The Mission. And 2021, just uh, last year, they put out uh, Crash of the Crown. Uh, so, you know, they, they've been releasing albums, you know, four albums now, or at least three solid, you know, studio albums uh, without Dennis DeYoung. But... We didn't really want to talk or cover those because we just felt... Yeah, it was going to be the Dennis DeYoung years. I mean, my, me, me personally, I haven't followed them since DeYoung has been out of the band. So I, I would have to, you know, remove myself even if we did the whole... But I think TJ is also uh, very focused in on Dennis DeYoung, as are you, yeah. Mark. So yeah. like, we just decided to do, do the Dennis DeYoung stuff. Which right. I mean, the band put out in that period after Dennis DeYoung, they, I don't, they must have put out five live albums, right? Yeah, I mean, no shortage of live albums. I mean, it's, I don't know what the, the concept or what their thoughts were behind that. Maybe just introduce I, the, the I, new I lost all interest. Band. You know, I, I think it actually started with this record going back uh, with DeYoung, and then when he left, and he left under really bad circumstances, which I'm not going to yeah. obviously go into just because it's been you know, rehashed a million times on, on all public formats. But I, I just lost my taste for the fact that he wasn't in the band anymore. I felt it I, I felt it was his band. And, uh, you know, I, I felt he got sacked out of his own band. I, whether it was justified or not, I mean, there's two different opinions on that right. from the musicians themselves. And I'm not going to say who's right or who's wrong. But just as a personal fan myself, I lost interest in them after... Uh, Dennis DeYoung. To me, Dennis DeYoung is one of those few guys that's irreplaceable. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, you look at it, too. I mean, you got um, Dennis DeYoung, who kind of went solo, and he's still out there. And you've seen him a lot. I've seen him a bunch of times, yeah. you know, as, over the last number of years with his, his solo band. And we're very impressed by him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just probably as good as as the classic right. sticks sound, you know, and the classic sticks era. So I enjoy his solo stuff as much as, you know, anything that sticks did. So, and, you know, but yeah. So as we normally do on these episodes where we have discography discussions, we uh, will give you our rankings and um, we're going to go do that. And I think just with this particular episode, we're going to start with TJ and, and we're going to do the, uh, you know, from 13 on up to one. Okay. So at number 13, I'm going to have Breathe New World. Number 12, I have Edge of the Century. 11 is Cornerstone. 10 is Kilroy Was Here. 9 is Styx 1. 8 is Styx 2. 7 is Crystal Ball. 6 is The Serpent is Rising. 5 is Paradise Theater. 4 is The Grand Illusion. 3 is Equinox. 2 is Pieces of 8. Number 1 is Man of Miracles. So that's that's interesting there. Yeah. Like he said it before, you know, you're gonna, He's old school this guy. <laughs> yeah, we'll get some opinions on that. That's I, okay. I, I wanna know what people out there when they when they hear yeah. TJ's uh ranking there, let us know your thoughts on yeah. that. But I'll I'll give you mine now. Okay. 
and uh, we'll start with with me. Uh, number thirteen is the debut album Sticks. Uh, number twelve is Brave New World. Uh, number eleven is The Serpent Is Rising. Uh, number ten is Man of Miracles. Uh, number nine is Crystal Ball. Number eight is Sticks Two. Uh, number seven is Edge of the Century. Number six is Kilroy Was Here. Number five is Cornerstone. Number four, Paradise Theater. Number three, Equinox. And number two is Pieces of Eight. And my number one favorite Sticks album is The Grand Illusion. There you go. So Cool. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take a pass on this. Take a pass <laughs> on doing your ranking? Yeah, I, only because the, I'm so sketchy on the early stuff. I don't want to be a phony. I, I, I really didn't listen to those albums when they came out. My 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 son who's 41 years my my junior had to like really get me up to speed with a lot of the the earliest stuff. So, uh, you guys are more versed with this. I think you go with your two uh rankings. Sounds okay. good. Well, well, again, you know, we like to get everybody's opinions. Uh so if you guys want to I'll post these uh, rankings of mine and TJ's on our Facebook page, and we want you guys to kind of chime in, give us your thoughts. You know, if you want to let us know what your your number one album is, or you want to give us all thirteen, uh, feel free to do so. And uh, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up this episode. Uh, thanks again for TJ joining us here today. Of course, uh, we hope to have you back at some point again yep. soon. We'll. We'll figure out some other uh, discography discussions or some other episode topics we can come up with. Yeah, he's got some. We've got some we're we're working on. Okay, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I guess that's it for uh, this episode, and uh, we'll see you guys again soon with a brand new episode. Bye. I tried to escape. She finds.